0: Welcome to the Living Clean Podcast. I'm your co-host Mason S. With me as always is Travis K. This podcast is not meant to replace meeting, sponsorship, step worker service. This is meant to be just another tool in your recovery toolbox. Our guests are here to share their experience, strength, and hope with recovery through Narcotics Anonymous. Thank you for joining us. All right, here we are back on the Living Clean Podcast. My name is Mason S, and I'm here with old TK. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is our first episode, and we're excited, man. Um, This kind of come about a few months ago. You know, I was really wanting to start a a podcast, so I started looking online for NA-related podcasts, and I found one. And I was actually a guest on there a couple of weeks ago, and that really just drove the fire. Um, obsession and compulsion. The obsession and compulsion, yeah. And we've been obsessed, or I've been obsessing about it ever since. And, you know, that I'm going to give that podcast a shout-out. It is the Anonymous podcast. They, po- they post the spiritual principle every day. So go and check them out. They're doing really great stuff over there. Um, but tonight, so... For our very first episode, I couldn't think of anybody better. One of our fellow home group members, uh, this dude sponsors 1,478 people, and he's taking about 1,200 of them through the steps. Uh, We're very glad to have him, Mr. Chase P. How you doing, man?
1: Man, I'm good, fellas. How are y'all?
0: Oh, we're doing great. Um, So, Chase, tell us uh, your clean date and uh, give your home group a shout out.
1: Yeah, I'm Chase. I'm an addict. Uh, my clean date is February 10th of 2020. Uh, my home group is the newcomers group, Home Wall, Tennessee. All
0: right, man. So so um, tell us a little bit about uh, when you first knew about N.A. and kind of like what it was like when you first were getting started.
1: Yeah, man. So I was first introduced to N.A. probably <clears> – <throat> probably been around 2012 um first time I went through a treatment program um and they gave us it was a nice one you know so we got all the literature from every fellowship available and um got experience I was in a IOP program so I was required three days a week to hit outside meetings um and so that's when I was first introduced I guess um started hitting a a couple meetings here and there around the Knoxville area. And so that would have been my first exposure to it.
0: What was your initial thoughts when you first came into NA?
1: Oh man, I couldn't relate. I was there to get a piece of paper signed. Um, You know, I was young, I was probably 21 coming in and uh, all I could think about through treatment and getting into the rooms and hearing other people share was well, I've never done half the shit that they've done, you know, like I don't belong or, you know, that I wasn't able to, um, you know, identify with a lot of the things I heard. I was just getting started, man. I I wasn't there to, I had no desire to get clean or didn't have any plans on. I thought I had at the time a problem with a specific substance. And so I was there to um, try to stop using that
0: substance. How many times was you in and out before it finally started to click with you
1: man i bounced in and out of the rooms for um probably eight years and uh multiple treatment centers each time get back exposed to the program and um get out and hit a couple meetings here and there and so yeah it was close to a decade um where i kind of bounced in and out and saw a little more heard a little more um Until this last time in February 2020, when uh, I received that gift of desperation, I guess, and I was actually ready to possibly listen to what what the people had to say and and try some of the things that they were doing, you know.
0: All right. So let's go back to February 2020. Kind of give us a a quick outline of what life looked like before you, I guess you came to treatment first and then you entered the rooms of NA. What did life look like before you um, entered treatment for that last time?
1: man <laughs> just misery oh, that's the best word I could I could use for it you know they used to ask us to identify our feelings in all the different areas you know and tired was the only one that, that came to mind you know I um, all the things I couldn't relate to early on when I said I'd bounce in the rooms and I couldn't identify with all those things I was never gonna do um, had slowly materialized you know homeless um, multiple overdoses, uh, burned all my bridges, you know, pushed everybody away, uh, no successful relationships. Um, basically to the point I'd already, uh, was hitting the threshold. I never expected to live to that age, you know, and was kind of surprised I was still there and it was just exhausting, man. Um, not really a whole lot to say about it, except for, uh, just full of pain and misery, man. You know, everybody rock bottoms, a relative term, But uh, I couldn't imagine I wouldn't want to experience one lower than where I was. You know, it was that feeling of complete hopelessness.
2: So what is that rock bottom that you were talking about?
1: Um, I mean, I've got like a specific memory of what, you know, where I I knew I was there, you know. And it was my, uh, man, it was my 31st birthday and pulled up in a shitty motel room and uh, had been up for longer than human beings should be up. For the first time in my life, I used to have those little thoughts, you know, and I'm not downplaying the Satan, but I'd be real dope sick and be like, man, I just want to kill myself, you know, but then I'd hit a lick and I'd be good to go. And I'm like, hey, I was just fooling on that, you know, Um, but I got to the point where I was like, you know what, man, like death would be better than where I'm at right now. And I always had this thing in the back of my mind, you know, I guess I was to the point like, what would it do to my family if I really was to, to pull some shit like that? And, um, you know, I could tell myself all these lies and I was fully believing the lie that they'd be better off if I was gone anyways. And just to the point of, like, completely lost the will to live, man, that, that's where it took me. That was that was rock bottom for me. You know, was was um, when I saw no point in life anymore.
0: When you finally do um, hit the rooms, do you remember when it was like, man, I'm going to give this thing a shot and really, really put my best effort forward and try this recovery thing out?
1: I do, man. There's a couple instances, you know. I was, uh, like I said, I was familiar. I was no uh, stranger to, to treatment centers, but there were a handful of guys I remember vividly coming in and uh, bringing HI meetings into the treatment center I was in. A couple of them really stood out to me. And I'm blessed. A couple of those guys I'm really close with today, you know, there was a guy from New York that, that came in and like his message was so clear. It, um, you know, it, it really shook me. And then there was this guy came in talking about if we read this book, you know, and it uh, you know, I was like, man, something about it it really clicked. But uh I was I got to hear one of them came in like my first week. When I was able to make a phone call my second week, I I called back home and got the news that, you know, I told you about my my rock bottom that that night where I was by myself where a buddy of mine that I used with actually showed up that night. We talked about how we both wanted something different out of life, you know, and it was that little hope shot, even though we weren't in recovery at the time, you know, that therapeutic value of one act helping another, like I found hope that I wasn't the only one feeling the way that I was feeling that somebody else wanted something different. What, you know, and when I made that, that phone call home in my second week in treatment, I found out that, uh, he had used for last time, man, he got out of jail and picked up and lost his life. And it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. Like he wanted the opportunity I had and who was I to not take advantage of it, you know? And so I really, bought into those guys, bringing those H&I meetings in, man. and started listening and kind of followed suit, you know, finished out treatment until I could get in the rooms, man. And once I got in the rooms, um, got, I got clean during COVID. And so right when I got clean, it was all zoom meetings. And I heard this guy speak on one of my first zoom meetings. Uh, they called him the hillbilly Buddha and, uh, man, something about him. I'd never heard somebody carry a message like that, you know? And I was so excited to go to in-person meetings and, When I walked in the room, I got to see some of those guys that were bringing H&I in, you know. And real quickly, I I just saw people that enjoyed being around each other. It was an environment that I wasn't familiar with. It had been a really long time, man, and it kind of sucked me in. And I just kind of followed them and tried to emulate what they were doing and pretend like I knew what I was doing, you know.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, so you you touched on something. You know, we hear – especially when we're in active addiction, we hear a lot about, you know, people dying and, um, but there's something really powerful about when it happens really close somewhere in the back of our mind, we feel like it can't happen to us. But when we lose somebody close, like a friend or a family member like that, man, it really can be eye opening. And, and, uh, you start to realize your own mortality, man. And that's, um, that really hits home, man. And, and luckily in your case, man, it brought about a big change,
1: man. It really did. And and it's the craziest thing. And the normies out there don't get it. Like how desensitized we could get to people like watching people overdose or hearing somebody died. Like it was just part of the day to day, you know, but I think what hit me, the difference is I knew that the cat wanted something different. You know what I mean? Like he, he opened up to me and, you know, you don't do that on the streets. You don't tell people how you're really feeling. You know what I mean? And I, and I knew he was sincere and wanted something different. And uh, I think that's that's what really hit me. It was like, man, he, he didn't necessarily want to be out there doing that. He just hadn't found the way out, you know, and I had the opportunity at that way out.
2: So you said that you made your first meeting during the, basically the height of the pandemic, of course, 2020. How did that feel compared to the old, because you said you'd been to meetings before, how did that feel when you could just get on a screen and talk about the recovery or where you was at? And how long did that last?
1: Man, it um, actually, I'll retract that. I got to go to one outside meeting when I was still in treatment. I picked up a white key tag um, while I was still in treatment. Um, I remember it well, a good buddy of mine was uh, a guy that escorted us out there and I remember vividly picking up my white key tag, but I was in such a fog, man. It, you know, I was just excited to get out of the treatment center. I wasn't really, um, you know, I can't remember anything that was shared or anything. And, um, I think I felt really uncomfortable, but getting on those zoom meetings, for me, I was more uncomfortable on zoom than I was in person, which I know a lot of people were the other way around. Like I didn't care to share on, zoom and i didn't much and maybe that's just the stage i was at and the season i was in um but the zoom meetings i love them now and think they're a great asset and i bring them up to people who aren't regularly able to make it to meetings but i i didn't find like my comfort and my groove there it, it was when i walked in that door and i got the the face-to-face got the hugs you know it was still uncomfortable but it was um I'm grateful for it, man. Cause I don't know if I would have hung around long enough to get there in person, if it wasn't available.
0: All right. So how long, um, was you going to meetings before you, you talked about being on zoom? Did you pick a sponsor up off of zoom or was, how did that work? Man, I, I got in
1: this little extended stay, uh, program at the treatment center I was in. And it's kind of like a, kind of like a little halfway house deal. And one of the requirements was that we get a sponsor, you know? And, um, At this point, I had uh, no spiritual connection or belief in a higher power, but uh, I can see today that my higher power is looking out for me because I picked a name off a piece of paper. Um, I think there were three guys available to me, and uh, I heard one of them play guitar. I was like, yeah, fuck it. You know, (laughs) it could be worse. At least I got that. You know, (laughs) I like that quality of him. So they say find somebody who has what you want. I didn't really have the opportunity, man. I was just trying to follow the rules and – you know, you it gets beat in your head the uh, the tools, the things that are necessary. And they say get a sponsor. I was like, well, I'm getting one. And so uh, I just I just kind of luck of the draw, man. Like I said, um, God placed in my life who I needed in my life. And so that's that's how I got a sponsor, and someone I still got today. You know.
0: Hey, well, kind of walk us through what the relationships like, and and how it's grown since you've uh, since you picked that sponsor that day
1: yeah absolutely man so i I blindly called this guy um and you know said hey i'm so-and-so i'm in this program i need a sponsor you know will you be you know will you be my sponsor and um the weirdest shit happened man he said yeah i'd be honored to and i was like what the fuck maybe i picked the wrong guy that's a know, that's a weird (laughs) answer bro and uh it didn't make any sense to me but uh yeah, that's what he told me. And he, he said, I want you to do two things. Call me every day. And he asked me if I, you know, he asked me if I'd read the basic text. And I had at that point. Um, I'd read through it in treatment and I'd done some book studies out of it. And uh, I was like, yeah, man, I've read it a couple of times. He said, cool, we'll read it again. And I was like, this motherfucker didn't listen. I told him I read it. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but but I did, man. I, I started reading the book again and I – um started calling him every day and lied to him every single day and told him hey man everything's great it's good talking to you conversations last about 15 seconds and I would hang up and uh he's a real quiet guy on the phone I couldn't get a read on him and I'm like when I get uncomfortable I just talk a lot so I'd talk real fast tell him everything was good and and get off the phone um but I get now why, why they say call me every day because I got in the habit of doing that. You know, he's been my sponsor for a little over three years, and I think I've missed calling him like maybe three days in those three years. It's just that habit I built up, and eventually I was used to picking that phone up. And one day I was miserable enough. I said, "Hey man, here's what's really going on," and uh, I told him. And I think he said, "It's about fucking time," you know. And uh, <laughs> that opened the door for you know, it was the first time I was I was truthful with him and. Uh, we started building the relationship, man, but it, it really came through working steps. That's, that's where the relationship is, is built. You know, he started learning a little bit about me and, um, even lied to him during some of my first step and he called me out on it. And, uh, then it just grew from there. And, you know, now he's, he's one of the closest friends that I have. It's, uh, not something that's guaranteed in a sponsor sponsor relationship has become friends, but, um, he knows everything about me, man. And I, and I felt comfortable cause I got to, you know, learn about him a little bit and, uh, it really helped me find the similarities and started, uh, building that intimate relationship you hear about, you know, and the best thing about it is what made it easier for me is once I got to actually be around him when the rooms open back up, you know, it, uh, he was a man of few words, but I got to watch his actions, you know, and you could tell there was a passion about the program and he was walking that walk and, um, it made it real easy for me to fucking buy in at that point, you know, but now the relationship just, um, continues to grow, man. And it's, uh, it's an easy thing now. There's nothing I would struggle with picking the phone up and calling about, you know what I mean? It's But it has to happen organically and that's what it did, I, I believe.
0: So while we're on this, um, topic of sponsorship what would you say to somebody who may be listening to this who's overwhelmed with fear about making a decision on who they're going to get to sponsor them or or you know maybe they're limited on options like you was and you know you you talked about having to pick it off a sheet of paper um what would you say to those listeners
1: yeah man the only uh wrong sponsor to get or the only uh wrong way to go about doing that is to not do it at all um, my experience with everything in, in recovery is it's uh, uncomfortable at first. Um, but my experience also with everything in the program in narcotics anonymous is the freedom from it comes from the willingness to do it. Just the willingness to ask for a sponsor and to walk through that fear. Even if it doesn't work out, I've already proven to myself, I can do it. You know what I mean? It's, um, and really it never is as bad as we make it out to be. And so we blow it up to be like this huge thing in our heads, I believe. Um, but once it's over with, it really kind of, you know, it is what it is. I would just say you would walk up to a random person and try to cop some dope. So walk up to a random person and ask them to sponsor you. It's a little bit easier. You're a lot less likely to get stabbed or robbed or something like that. So
2: it's <laughs> Tell us about it, Was what it was like working through the 12 steps and then actually what it felt like on the other side to have somebody come up and ask you to sponsor them.
1: Yeah, man. Um, so that's my favorite part about the program in itself is sponsorship. Um, and I learned that, um, like I said, I was I was blessed to get the sponsor that I got. And um, I shared this a while back. I think um, what made me buy in and is comfortable and, and really reap the benefits of step work was – you know, there was the thing that ran me out of the rooms for so long was that big, scary three letter word y'all use, you know, and it was God and it terrified me and I wanted no part to do with it. And my sponsor left it wide open and completely gave me the freedom to find my my way through all of that. And so when I started working the steps, like I said, that that first one was a little uncomfortable and I was a little on the edge. Um, but he called me on my shit and it Made me buy in. I was like, well, I'm gonna prove this motherfucker wrong on this next one. You know what I mean? Like I was gonna lay it all out there, and I felt the freedom that came from one. And you know, a lot of people talk about this vacuum that's left to this void. I just wanted more of it, man. I, I finally set out to do something and did it, and, and I wanted to keep going. Um, and so I just continued working through it, man. And you know, like I said, just the the freedom came from the willingness to just do it and put the work in. And once I got a taste, I just couldn't stop. He actually made me slow down and sit on one for a while because um, I was flying through and it uh I probably learned it it's the sixth step and I probably learned um, as much through the sixth step as I did any of them because I, I sat on it and you know really had that hyper awareness of those defects um, but I'll back up a little bit because I know everybody's worried about four and five you know um, I think that bonds really made um, working that fist that man and uh it, it was a surreal experience because, like I said, it's really it's where I really got to know my sponsor. Not only did he get to know me, but I got to know him. He gave me a different perspective on all the things that I'd gone through, you know, and it was uh it was a spiritual experience before I was willing to admit that there were spiritual experiences. And so I just kept plugging away, man. And it's nice knowing somebody is there with you every step of the way, you know, and powered through it and worked through the steps and started all over again and um, it was short. You know, I think I I worked uh, my 12th step for the first time at about uh, right around 11 months clean, like 10 and a half, 11 months clean. Um, my sponsor told me immediately to start raising my hand and be available for sponsorship. And uh, when the first guy asked me, I was like, holy fuck, what's he thinking? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm not ready for this. And I remember telling my sponsor, like, man, I don't think I'm ready for this. He's like, you couldn't work somebody through a first step. I was like, well, yeah, I probably could. have said, then you're ready for sponsorship. You know what I mean? And uh, so pretty immediately, the first night I raised my hand, I had somebody ask me, man, and um, it made complete sense to me when I was able to answer them and tell them I'd be honored to. You know, that's the moment when it all came together and I realized, you know, like what that meant. And um, like I said, it's my favorite part of the program. I've been blessed to get – to sponsor quite a few guys and sitting on the other side of the step. That's what the program about to me today. Like if you're on your first time through the steps and you're working with a sponsor and you think you're having these spiritual awakenings and that you're really getting to experience the program in Narcotics anonymous, finish all 12 of them and get some sponsors and sit on the other side. Cause that's what it's about. I've learned more about sitting on the other side of a step than I ever dreamed about learning through my steps. Like like it's, it's crazy to watch people grow, you know what I mean? And experience those things for themselves.
0: It's crazy how some, another addict's experience, you know, sitting across from that sponsee, how it can really just open up things that you never thought about in your own life and how a, a sponsee opens your eyes to to things that you, you know, you didn't even realize or nobody's even, you've never even been aware of that's going on in your own life. And it shows you
2: a whole nother area that you need to work on yourself. I was just thinking about, you know, when you, when you look at those newcomers come in and, and I remember when I was a newcomer and it was, uh, it was the craziest thing because I remember one day I was just walking and it was, it was a beautiful spring day. And for some reason, and I don't really notice nature that much, but I walked in to the room and I told somebody, I said, man, it's such a beautiful day outside. And they said, your spirit is awakening and whenever you get to sit on that other side, like you're talking about, and you see that that spirit start to come alive, and that newcomer, man, it just it gives you cold chills. Just about it,
1: man, it, it absolutely does. And you know, <clears throat> I guess when I first started to it, like one of the more recent, probably in the last six months, experiences I had about <clears throat> really learning a lesson <clears throat> on the other side of the step is I was going through a six step with a sponsee. And it asked, where has um, rebellion been active in your life today? <clears throat> and it was crazy because when I worked through the six step on my own, I really couldn't find it, you know? Like, I wasn't really rebelling too hard at the time. But reading him that question, listening to his answer, I was like, man, slap me in the face. I was like, well, I can identify with this shit now, you know? And it just took somebody else's experience, like, jogging that out of me. And um, like I said, I, th- I think the real freedom in it, man, is um, – watching other people grow and seeing that light start to come on, man, and seeing somebody who was so hopeless find that little bit of hope. And then they start identifying how their own lives are getting a little bit better. And um, I don't know, man, it's the biggest blessing this program has to offer. You know, my, my favorite moments in recovery, people ask me all the time, like, what's the best moments, you know, you've had since you got clean. And it's crazy that the, the ones that stick out to me most actually had nothing to do with me. You know, I've got a brother in recovery. I got to see, you know, get a relationship back with his daughter. You know what I mean? That he didn't have for so long. And I got another really good friend that I'm getting to see go through the same thing and, and get the opportunity to be a dad now and kill it. You know what I mean? And he just didn't get one. He got a whole slew of them all at once, man. And he's showing up and showing out. And um, be careful. what you Yeah. You know, watching people get jobs and houses, you know, it's really mind blowing to sit back and and when you get to build that intimate relationship with a sponsee and you see them put in the work and you know how much they're putting in and then they start, you know, not only are they getting to stay clean, which is the only guarantee they got, but they get the that icing on the cake. You know, they get those other areas of their life, you know, start materializing. Man, it's just it's fucking special. There's there's you can't put a price on that. You know.
0: Yeah, it really is, man, and you know, you kind of talked about the sponsor-sponsee relationship, but kind of tell us about a little bit about um developing that network outside of the sponsor and what that process was like.
1: Yeah, man. Um, So I didn't know it. uh When I got my sponsor, he told me about like this, you know, this family, like my people, you know, he said, wait, man wait till you meet this guy and this guy and this guy and your grand sponsor and your great grand sponsor. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what any of that means, but all right, you know, and I think they drug me down to Alabama, um, pretty early on to go see some music, um, with these guys in my sponsorship family. And they were telling me about seeing all these shows back in the eighties. And these guys had like multiple decades clean and, um, man, I wanted what they had, you know what I mean? Like they just, the way they carried themselves. I was like, you know what? I want to meet as many of these guys as I can. And so I was kind of, um, not necessarily given the option. I was adopted into this massive family, I guess. And, um, what I started to learn when you, when you really dive in and start developing a network or what it did for me, I sit back and listen to people, man, and everybody's got their own experiences and everybody excels in different areas. And, It forced me my sponsor was very good. And something I try to adopt from him is I don't have an answer for everything, you know, and he was real quick to tell me to call other people. And at first I was not very good at it. It was uncomfortable, but I I began to see when he would tell me to call somebody, it's because he knew they had experience in a certain thing. And every time I did it, it got a little bit easier and I always found the solutions I was looking for. And so I was able to kind of do that on my own, man. I'd sit back and listen to people and, um, if I knew they'd been through something, maybe I really respect what they have going on professionally. So when I had job opportunities, I called and talked to these people or I knew these guys that were in, you know, healthy marriages. And when I had a relationship you know, question, I would call and ask them. Um, but ultimately, man, I just got involved and I followed the people around who were doing NA activities all the time. And slowly but surely, I started developing relationships with people all across the country you know what I mean? It's the craziest thing and having some random people from a different state call you and check on you, you know, it makes me want to do the same thing. It's, uh, it really is worldwide. And I was so short-sighted that I thought it was limited to like a little town. I thought I had to stay right here, you know, and this is what NA was. Um, but it was really eye-opening when, when I got to a convention, man, that's the place to do it. I went to my first convention at less than a year clean. Yeah, it was, it was pretty insane really just getting to meet all those people and, Get phone numbers, man. It's, uh, I guess it's a big part of it. Network is one of those things. I I had a sponsee brother tell me, or not, he's in my sponsorship family. He told me one time, um, he said there's a lot of suggestions, but this one's a fucking requirement. It's make connections. That hit me really hard.
0: That's really good, man. So let's talk about home group for a second and the service worker, you know, getting involved in service. And what was that like?
1: So home group, man, it, uh, I guess I was forced to get involved with one group cause there was one meeting in my town. So that's where I got to go regularly. And actually, you know, I had no plans of staying in Honolaw. Um, I was planning on going back. I'm originally from Knoxville. So that's where I was going to go back to. But like I said, I came in this room and it was just this vibe and this, uh, environment I'd never experienced. And I literally stayed in the town, my, town I'm in because of that group, you know, and, and they became my friends, my family. And, um, I was, you know, I didn't have a whole lot going on in my life at that point outside of ENA. So I was all in. And uh, it was a blessing that almost by necessity early on, I had to uh, get way involved in service. And I had that term twisted, you know, I thought I had to hold positions to be a service. I heard service work kept you clean. And so I tried to get my hands in everything, and it may be like little control issues and stuff like that 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 I was feeding off of. Um, But I've been blessed, man. I, I've got to hold multiple different, you know, service positions at my home group. Um, I've been on a convention committee. I've served at the area level. I've served on a bunch of events that my, my home group has, has put on. And I think, um, before I felt like I had a purpose before I found my purpose, which was simply to be the best version of myself and to carry a message of recovery, I found a purpose by being of service. You know what I mean? The fact that people trusted me made me feel trustworthy you know and uh i always tell people you know i would i got into service for all the wrong reasons but i got into service some people ask me like well i feel like i'm trying to take this service position for the wrong reason just fucking take it you know what i mean if you keep working on yourself and you take it eventually those motives may may start slipping away a little bit um but it's a double-edged sword i learned a good lesson about over committing through service man and uh you know, but it was also bred into me to keep the commitments that I make. And so I learned, like I said, I learned the lesson that I don't necessarily have to hold a service position to be of service. Um, But it's one of those tools and one of those things that I feel like I have to do um, in order to be successful really is to be of service in one way or another.
0: All right, man. So uh, before we wrap it up, why don't you uh, tell us about some of the gifts of recovery that you've seen? I know we only have one promise, but, if we do what we're supposed to do, like I know that you've done, man, what are some of the gifts that, you, that you've that you experienced since you came into those rooms in February of 2020?
1: Man, that list could go on forever, you know, but some of the things that, that stand out to me the most, um, I remember working my first step for the first time, my sponsor asking me what joy meant to me and um, where I had joy in my life. And I told him I had no idea what that was or, or where to find it, you know, and today I have a very good understanding that joy is an emotion that starts within myself. There's nothing outside of myself. They can give me that. And, uh, through the program and step work, you know, I've, um, I've been able to develop that joy and, you know, that's a gift within itself and, you know, where I was unsuccessful in every relationship that I've ever been in, um, today I, I can be a, I can be a son and I can be a brother, I'm in a successful marriage. You know, I'm, I'm a responsible, productive member at my job. Man, the, the list goes on and on. And I'll tell you one of the biggest gifts, man. It's it's crazy. And um, I want to share this with you all. I, I received one of those gifts last night and uh, it, it was the craziest thing, man. It was probably about a year ago. My wife called me kind of in a frenzy and she was like, hey, man, there's this uh, there's this guy I used to run the streets with and use with. And his family just called me he's in the hospital and they don't know if he's going to make it. He's in a bad way. And, you know, consequences of our actions out there using, you know, and, um, they're like, they're, they reached out to me, hoping somebody can talk to him, you know, and it's a guy I've never met in my life. And, uh, I was like, absolutely. I'm on my way up there, you know, and it took me about 90 seconds to find a guy who, uh, to find somebody to go with me to 12 step, this guy, you know, somebody I've never met. And, um, one of my sponsees hopped in with me and we drove straight up to the hospital and went in and talked to this guy and uh, told him, Hey, man, we know where you've been and there's a way out, you know. And we told him that, Hey, man, you're loved and you're worthy of this. And if you'd like to try something a little different, man, we're here and we can show you where to go. And uh, he didn't, it didn't take immediately, you know, he went back out and did a little research. Um, but my wife ran into him at the gas station last night. And uh, he's got, like, nine months clean. And he told my wife, he's like, I've never got to thank you and your husband. But he didn't know me from Adam. And him and his buddy came up. And they cared when nobody else did.
0: That's what it's all about.
1: Man, it's just affirmation that, like, somebody calls or NA calls. And I have a chance to show up and show somebody that they are worthy. And that when nobody else cares that we fucking do you know there's that purpose i said i couldn't find for myself you know what i mean and it just um and i know for every 100 there might be one that it takes man but that one makes it well worth it you know and there there's not a price i can put on that that's a gift that you know if i don't get anything else out of this program that right there the the thing that one person has the opportunity a new way of life man it's all worth it you know
0: all right chase man i'm sure enjoyed um you giving us your experience strength and hope man some big things that stuck out to me is the importance of sponsorship you know building that recovery network and uh always picking the phone up when na calls because you never know what that may lead to or who that may lead walking through the door man um i think about it for all of us i think at one point everybody looked at us as a lost cause and you know uh one of my favorite parts of the basic text is when it talks about you know um old dreams awaken and new possibilities arise man and we're all miracles and is there anything that's going on at your home group that you'd like to share on here that in case somebody outside of here is listening and may want to participate man there's
1: everything going on at the home group man no uh the big thing i can think of right now is uh april 1st we're having a fundraiser um we have a speaker jam. Uh, I think this will be our fourth speaker jam. Yeah. And, uh, we're having a fundraiser for that April 1st. It's a carnival themed with the talent show. There's going to be a lot of excellent talent on the stage. Some not so excellent. Um, but it'll be a good time, man. There'll be good food, fifty fifty, uh, bingo, all, all that stuff. And, um, That's probably the the most uh, recent thing we got coming up. Last Saturday this month, we got our own Brooke K. sharing her experience, strength, and Hope, for a, uh, you know, birthday celebration. Uh, We packed the house, man. We love to see new faces. Um, Sometimes we we need some new uh, faces and some new ideas to come in. So we're open seven days a week, Um, Wednesdays at noon, every other day from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. So
0: come check it out. All right, Chase, man. I sure appreciate it. So I just want to let everybody know that uh, we have a Facebook page. It's called the Living Clean Podcast. Uh, Join the Facebook page. Um, You can see the highlights from this show on TikTok or wherever. And I just want to let you know that our whole goal in this is just to um, branch out and find a new way to reach that addict that still suffers. You know, we're going into – a new time where technology's kind of taken over. And, you know, this is a place I never thought that we would see anything NA-related. But, you know, our goal behind that is is strictly to carry the message we're not going to make any money or anything like that, you know. And I just want to thank all our Chase and anybody else who may take the time to come on here and take, you know, take the time out of their schedule. And uh, there's no benefit other than, you know, reaching that still sick and suffering addict. And I'm glad we can all be a part of it. All right. Thank you, Chase.
2: Yeah, appreciate it, guys. Thank you for joining us on our Living Clean podcast. This is another platform that we can share our message of recovery, which is an addict, any addict, can stop using drugs, lose the desire to use, and find a new way to live. Join that no matter what club. You can contact us through text. The number is 931-306-9364.